evening, lads and lasses, and welcome back to the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. Tonight, we finally get to discuss the long-awaited debut of a Major League Soccer team in the Gateway City. Not only did they finally arrive, but they arrived victoriously as St. Louis City SC defeated Charlotte FC by a score of 3-1. to one. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the klaus of it all, and that's all ahead. Plus, we'll touch on Liverpool's stunning 7 to nothing victory of Manchester United, which we don't discuss in great detail, but I did want to mention in the intro just to torture Justin. We've got all that ahead, so let's kick off. Welcome in, everyone. This is the Soccer Talk Lads podcast, the STL podcast for short, the Klaus podcast, if you're mm-hmm. in the know. The Klaus cast, the pod Klaus, I don't know. We're, 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 we're road testing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we are here. It is a day in March, the 7th of March. That's eight days before the Ides of March for those who are keeping track at home. Keep and track of your Julius Caesars, everyone, please. That's right. We are here in three of uh, America's most mid-tier cities. <laughs> I am from Jacksonville. Yeah, that's so ash it. <laughs> Justin, all the way from Kansas City. Justin, how's KC these days? Mid? Oh, mid? just as it ever is. As mid yeah. as ever. <laughs> and Ian is checking in from suburban St. Louis. Ian, uh, we won't specify where in the suburbs, but how's it going out there today? That's it, great. This is the high tier part of uh, the city. This the is, quote unquote this is the, city. This is the high tier part of the mid tier suburbs of the mid tier mm, city. That's right. Yeah. That's yes. right. <laughs> uh, we are uh, here and excited to talk about uh, finally what finally happened. I would call it dream fulfillment for many in the. <laughs> St. Louis soccer community, and that is the debut, not just of St. Louis City SC, which obviously we saw in Austin last week, but the home debut of St. Louis City SC, the first MLS game hosted by the city of St. Louis. And it was uh, everything you could have hoped for it to be and more. I was not there in person, Justin was. We'll get the live perspective, we'll get the television perspective, we'll talk about it all. And we'll talk about most importantly, and I think let's let's do this first because this is like the boring part almost. But like, let's talk about the game because I thought it was really interesting to um, watch. You know how they played. They're playing. They're they're obviously they won two games. Spoiler alert: they won this game three to one over Charlotte. Uh, they won two games. At least one of those games is against a team that most people think is going to be pretty tough competition this year. Um, not this one, but the other one. <laughs> and um, they've done it in pretty, pretty interesting fashion. I mean, you know, we can talk about how they were gifted some goals in this game. Some would argue they were gifted all three goals. But um, the reality is, I think our hard pressing up tempo style that is, you know, maybe a compensation for the lack of just down the line talent that we have on this team is really paying off in spades so far this season. And even though we had some goals that went our way that were quote unquote lucky, I think we had as equally many or more opportunities that were hard won great scoring chances that just missed for this reason or another. And, um, you know, so I don't think 
even though the goals were a little fluky, I don't think you can take anything away from the win here and, and everything they did. It started very well. The first 20 minutes or so, I would say they were pretty dominating and had complete control. And then Charlotte started to calm things, a breakdown in mid in, you know, our side of just our side of midfield led to a break the other way that created the uh, goal scoring opportunity for Capetta. Not great defensively there, not a good look. Um, but that is one of the risks that you take when you play that high pressing game, I would say, as you, you're going to allow some breaks the other way. Um, what were your thoughts on that goal, Justin, just from like a tactical breakdown perspective? Yeah, and it's very similar to what you saw with the Jersey goal in Austin, mm-hmm. where it's kind of against the run of play. Capetti, it's a nice little run. Um, I wrote about it in my kind of post-game article. It's a nice little run where Charlotte is coming. They have not necessarily numbers, but cities grouped up from turning the ball over at that kind of side of the field. And they're able to just kind of interchange with their run. So Capetti kind of runs underneath and is able to kind of get free, split center backs. And then as they kind of lay it off to relieve the pressure, send the ball in and he's just able to get onto it. And this is not really marked tight enough. And uh, yeah, similar to what they saw in Austin, where they talked about wanting to block passes in, they talked about wanting to close down on balls. And that's kind of not what happened in that goal. So, Yeah, I, I agree. Um Ian, how were you feeling after 20 minutes and Charlotte had scored the first and at that point only goal? I guess that's defined by first. First goal was always the only first goal, goal but also <laughs> the only goal. So yeah. <laughs> uh me me and all the homeboys say fuck Capetti. That mm. guy sucks. And the whole the whole uh crowd agreed. Yeah, he became increasingly unpopular over the he course of the game. Public Largely, enemy number one largely owing to the fact that maybe about 10 minutes after this play happened, there was mm-hmm. a breakdown in the box where he um, fell down. He would say that he was, you know, forced to fall down and that it should have been a penalty. I don't think anybody really agreed with him on that. Yeah, there was, they looked at was, it VAR wise and they just like didn't even get a second look. So yeah. obviously you weren't seeing the broadcast, uh, Justin, but the MLS broadcast, mm-hmm didn't agree although of course one of those broadcasters was taylor twelman so maybe that's not the <laughs> the most impartial so why, would, <laughs> why would he be is he like homer or uh yeah what are you I to wouldn't, say? I but um but yeah He's i mean entangled. He, was, he was complaining the rest of the game and um i would say that kind of the emotional letdown of yeah. that kind of I led think- to them what was yeah. great about that too is that so they got tangled up and like berkey I think like his brain just works in a way where he wanted to let it go. He wanted to like release the ball to just transition to the other side. But as he's running, he like sees Capetti out of the corner of his eye and like completely backtracks before letting go of the ball to yell at him, which I thought was the best part of that entire sequence. Yeah, definitely <laughs> agree with that. Um, I think, uh, but I think that kind of breakdown, the mental, the loss of mental focus mm. is, um, kind of what created the second goal, which of course was an own goal and kind of a fluky one. But it's another situation where just the the power and presence and size of Klaus kind of forces a rush clearing attempt that uh, they put into the back of their own net, which is not where you want those to go. No. Generally. Generally um, not. <laughs> so it was a, a lucky break, I would say, to get back into it. But... Um, it was a break that wasn't entirely unforced, I don't think, either. 
Yeah, I mean, the ball is lofted in for Klaus, and the defender just rises up to, you know, defend him and just gets on the ball instead. So, like, it's definitely caused by <coughs> pressure. It doesn't come against the run of play necessarily. It just obviously is a deflection off the opposing player. Yeah. Yeah, and then the real um, kicker, no pun intended, it's soccer, oh, so everything's oh, a kicker. Um, they got, they surrendered a penalty in the 50th minute, it was a handball as the ball came in across the um, perimeter of the, of the goalie box. And uh, it was pretty undeniably a handball, you know, I mean, his positioning, mm. I always kind of, kind of am a little sus that those like very perimeter handballs are just a straight up penalty, but like, yeah, those are the rules. So yeah, and it's definitely a penalty. You know? Like a lot of times, even if it is inadvertent, like putting yourself in that body position to block the ball and your hands kind of come up and get in the way of the cross. Yeah. So that's what causes it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, um, um, Edward Levin eventually stepped up, which no one attempts to pronounce his name <laughs> that phonetically, but I will. I'll, I'll keep the name. Hey. And uh, he uh, slotted it home high, high to the left side. Just a emphatic, just, just the old kick it as hard as you possibly can uh, approach, which is my personal favorite pen. I've approach. watched this about a hundred times, honestly. Yeah, it was a good pen. <laughs> it was a very nice pen. Um, and from that point on, you know, I don't want to say Charlotte never threatened, but I never really felt like this was a game that we were going to lose after we got the the go ahead goal. We had the um, another, you know, another giveaway to our own striker. This time, Klaus, instead of, um, who was it last game? Stroud? In yeah, Stroud would have been the one that was on the receiving end <laughs> um, of a gift. This time, it's Klaus. This was another gift, but it's also, you know, as I was saying earlier, it's also Klaus pressing hard and being in the right place and putting pressure on the defense and, and them having feeling like they have to pass back. And um, while it's a giveaway and the keeper's nowhere near in position, it was still a pretty nice chip to get it over him and get it in the net and took the composure. And that, that was the game. We won three to one. Um, It was a spectacle, which we'll talk about the spectacle in a minute, but just, just from the tactical standpoint, I certainly feel a lot more confident about this team than I did before the two games. That's probably stupid and goes without saying, but like (laughs) they look like the best version of what they have the potential to be. They will have some games, I'm certain, where they are carved up and um, probably lose like four to nothing. Because, potentially even this weekend. Potentially. Yeah, potentially. But like, <laughs> all, all I really wanted from this first season is just not, not to be an embarrassment, not to be mm. FC Cincinnati in their inaugural season. I think we've already got more points than they got all season. So, you know. <laughs> Two wins, maybe. I mean. Um. What are, yeah, what are your guys' takeaways through two games just from a purely tactical perspective? Yeah, I mean, like, I think, well, when we talked about before the season kicked off, like, all we wanted to see was a cohesive game plan and them to have an identity, and they clearly have an identity. Um, the tactical adjustment, I thought, was nice. Like, I kind of wrote about something similar in the run-up to this game about how Charlotte played very narrowly, and if they can somehow exploit those like out wide spaces, especially with how Charlotte line up in this formation that they came in with pulling Giotini up into the same line as Klaus and kind of having Oshak and Stroud instead of being wingers being like kind of, I would say more inside forwards where they're in that half space, but not quite 
on that far wing to give lanes for Nelson or Winsky to run up and down. And that second goal is caused by Nelson getting the ball in the St. Louis half, having a nice run, laying it off to Stroud, who kind of has a nice one-two with Giochini and then release him forward. And then as he tries to send it in, it's the handball. So the way that they were able to kind of open up those wide spaces, it leads to the Klaus or the own goal as well, where they're kind of set up in that half space to send the ball into Klaus that the defender rises up to. And yeah, I thought tactically and the way that this team has bought into those tactics is everything you could ever want out of this team. Do you think they're going to stick to that for two, two, two look, or do you I think, think like, gonna... I think you see changes. Like it's essentially the same thing. Whereas in Austin, they had Klaus up top and they had Oshrek are, I forget who, but it was Alm. They had Alm kind of right underneath him. So mm-hmm. when Giochini came in, he was playing that same level, but had kind of rotated out to the side. So it's essentially the same formation, just with like little little changes with how they're lining up just to help exploit that space. So I think you see a lot of adjustments, staying with four at the back, and then just like slight changes in how the midfield is just kind of spaced and starts the game. But yeah, I thought it's very interesting. I was going to say, what do we think of, like, other other than obvious uh, fanboying, fangirling, fan-whatevering uh, over Klaus, what do we think of Klaus through through two games here? Like, I will admit that, like, he's scored and he looks good, but I also feel like visually he stands out so much that it's almost like, this guy's not good, right? Or, like, he just lumbers in such yeah. a way that I'm like, you seem so out of place. Are you, he's not he's, athletic, is he? He can't be. No. <laughs> he's, he's definitely, like, I didn't know what to expect about a lot of these players. I'm not going to pretend I sat here and scouted them for hours. But, like, he's a force. I think that's the best thing you can say about mm-hmm. him is, like, there is anywhere he is on the field, you know he's there and he's causing problems. He's obviously not your Mohamed Salah, like, incredibly intricate, speedy, yeah, technical striker. But... I think he's, I mean, I think we saw in the goal he scored in Austin, like there was a lot of technique on that goal. It wasn't just a be in the right place and hit it with your big meaty skull goal. Yeah. It was like, you know, the, the, the pullback and the, and the touch on the finish were both, both showed me enough that I was like, okay, this guy isn't just a physical presence. He does have some finishing skill. And I'd say the same thing about the chip uh, in the third goal in this game. Like, again, that's every highly paid soccer striker should score that goal hundred percent, but like you still have to score it and he still did. And it still looked nice, you know? So like, yeah. And it's I, that coupled with him being like such an important piece as like the tip of the press too. That, yeah. 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 And I like, there's definitely mean potential there, but like, I think he's really good. I mean, I think, I don't think he's the best player on this team. I think that would be Blom or, or Levin who are, are, you know, really kind of, the critical pieces of, of the mm. midfield and make everything go on their respective sides of, of midfield. But like he's a force and, and as much as there's kind of that meme potential and we love him, like, I think he's a really, he fits the system really well. And, you know, he's, he's got a home here now. So. Yeah, I actually, I've done a lot of Klaus digging into because I'm writing a piece for it. St. Louis mag, which shameless plug will be on the newsletter on Wednesday. So check that out. But he had kind of a similar play style when he was at Lask in Austria that they play that same kind of high octane 
very quick try to get Klaus running onto mm-hmm. the ball style of attacking soccer, which they weren't asking him to do at Hoffenheim and when he's been elsewhere. So I think it's him having a defined role that highlights his strengths instead of like yeah. tries to ask him to do something else is which so. is funny because he doesn't seem to have i don't mean to cut you off i'm sorry no like, i was he i was done have, Steven. <laughs> he doesn't seem to have that foot speed that like yeah. makes you think of like a high attacking presser kind of but person. he like starts so far up the field that yeah. you don't need him to be running non-stop to get there right. yeah exactly um by the way i looked it up um in the 2019 Major League Soccer season and Cincinnati's inaugural season, they had 24 points and six wins. So okay, so a third of the way have, there. We have 25% of their point total, and I'm just going to calculate this really quickly. We have 25 games in hand on them. Okay. So I think we can do it. They did have an unfair advantage. They had 34 games their season. We only have 27 this year because of um, the – whatever that thing is called, the competition. What's the competition? Leagues Cup. Leagues Cup, you know, that cup where we stop uh, prime playing dates in June before the start, the heat of the summer. Yeah, that one. Uh, Yeah, yeah, love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, But yeah, so just as long as we leave 24-point Cincinnati in the dust, we'll be doing all right. Every win that we get gets us, you know, the the eighth of the way there. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, and like the whole thing with MLS is it's so hard to win on the road. So we already have one road win, and clearly the home environment is going to be hard for other teams to come into play. So from here on out, it's just like taking care of your home games the best you can. Like we'll talk about Portland in a bit, but that's a tough game that you're going across the country. You're playing a team who desperately needs a win in their own house. And it's going to be hard. It's not always going to be this easy, but they look like they belong. That's all you can say. Yeah, they definitely don't look out of place or look like they're a disaster. Steven, the fun stat. So 80% of teams that win their first two games make the playoffs. So as long as we're not that 20% that doesn't, I'll be happy. (laughs) Good. Coin flip, if you will. We're going to add to that stat one way or another. Uh, that's right. It's going to be fun. Yeah. That's right. Um, now that we talked about the game and the tactics, let's talk about the uh, environment. I thought it was everything you could have hoped for more. I wasn't there in person, but just on TV, the stadium looks so nice. It's it's so great that they built a dedicated facility for this from mm-hmm. the ground up and didn't just make it. You know, it's didn't just try to carve out Bush Stadium or or god forbid edward jones down or something (laughs) baby (laughs) i really looks you know it looks like it's part of the city it looks like it belongs um the crowd was bumping from the very start i know there were naughty words but it was after 10 p.m so it was the adult you know the adult tour you can't just Um, say we can swear and then change the rules yeah that's right (laughs) but seriously i mean you were there Justin, on TV, it looked incredible. The uh, opening um, TIFO and everything mm. that they did was really, really cool. Um, it, it was very loud. I think, and I think that's a lot of like how new stadiums are constructed. When I was down in mm-hmm. Nashville, the like press is inside, so you can't necessarily hear like how loud it gets. But here, the press row is outside, like right underneath the like TV broadcast. So mm-hmm. you're kind of out in the thick of it, and it was very loud my ears are hurting at one point after Klaus got subbed off so it's like it definitely that sound reflects back into the stadium and it's imposing yeah. in a way yeah for sure yeah definitely 
It's going to be a tough voice to play. I mean, I think it's obviously hard to draw to extrapolate from the first game ever. And like, everybody's going to be there and be excited. If it's August and we've lost five games in a row, might feel a little different, but like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I uh, certainly not this season. And I, I really doubt at any point in MLS, this is going to be like an easy road game. You know, I think the environment's always going to be there and there's always going to be people that are excited. So yeah, those scenes like right before the open where they gave me goosebumps for sure. It's in there yeah. and seeing the TIFOs go around. Yeah, there were scenes for sure. Ian, your thoughts on the environment, the vibes? Oh, God. Uh, well, the vibes were immaculate. You know, vibe check. Kids yeah. say it, like, you know, <laughs> vibes were vibing. Um, I was very jealous. I feel like I would have paid a good chunk of money to go to this in retrospect. I was like, oh, man, this is, looks freaking dope. Um, I don't know if I'd sit in the supporter section only because they get like smoked oh on. I'm and, not a supporter. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't really <laughs> like this team that much. Um, uh-huh. And you get like doused in like, you know, sticky beverages and what have you. But I'll, I'll sit, um, you know, right next to it. I'll cheer mm-hmm. them on from the safety of a regular section. <laughs> safety of not being in a beer shower. <laughs> I'm sure. I don't know if they'll always be like that, but I was like, this is so cool. But then I was like, man, people are getting wet. Yeah, I mean, you gotta be up for it. Uh, if you're not up for it, that's okay. <laughs> um, I like all the flags. I mean, I, I just thought the environment was really good because I was maybe not worried, but like I was a little curious to see like if people were going to be excited, but then really like I just didn't know how many people in St. Louis are going to be like mm. into soccer, if that makes sense. Like you would think there'd be that many people, but Again, I was like, we're America's first show soccer up? capital. Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> The Minnesota uh, city. There is a, pl- a piece in MLS Soccer, uh, soccer.com ahead of this game talking about uh, Charlie Bohm wrote a piece talking to a lot of old heads in St. Louis. And they were talking about how at like Crondelet Park, there'd be crowds of like 6,000 people to watch just like some Sunday game. Like that's dope. I enjoy knowing that that was a that's thing. dope. <laughs> True. That's a good question. That's dope. Even if it was 2000, though, you know, I'm still. Yeah, well, they're talking to a guy that was like back in the 60s or whatever. So I believe it. (laughs) They did have some line about like. People from the 60s don't exaggerate. No, they would never. It would never grow in folklore. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) It's some line about like the first soccer game in St. Louis. I'm assuming like recorded soccer game was like 100, it was like 200 feet from here. In like 1860 or something and it was part of me was kind of like this is getting kind of hockey this is kind of like all right that cool. was a very, there was a very doc emmerich opening to this one i'll give them that yeah on the frozen Mississippi. There, are, there are two teams on this football field but only one of them is new tonight you know that sort of thing oh God, no um, you remember doc that's yeah. those were his intros man only Which one I... of these teams has hoisted the Stanley Cup before, but even they had a different name when it happened. Yeah. It's corny, but I'm an absolute sucker for it. Uh, <laughs> oh, when Doc Emmerich does day. it, when Doc Emmerich does it, it works. When anybody mm. else tries it, it's a disaster. John Goodman. We like when John Goodman does it. Oh, also. John Goodman. Oh. You put John Goodman in anything, especially anything St. Louis, and it's just mm. hype, hype, hype. I mean, oh. Afton High School hype, baby. <laughs> I do like that he says he's from Afton? LA, Lower Afton. Does he <laughs> yeah, say that? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That is dope. <laughs> so, uh, I, I've spent a lot of time in Lower Afton. <laughs> yeah. sounds, sounds seedy. Um, 
I mean, the, the stadium looks gorgeous. And like, mm. I don't know, did you, you probably were in the press box for most of it. You, were you able to like get out onto like the concourse? Yeah, I did a lap. Like I did a lap when everyone was filing in, which was a mistake because it was a little bit claustrophobic. But Dustin uh, <laughs> <laughs> did scream, I'm dying. But there were a ton of people there. Uh, yeah, it was very cool. The It's very hard to walk through that concourse if you're hungry, too. There's a lot of good smells in that oh, stadium. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's, I have you, no complaints you need You need a good smellscape. A you good do. smellscape yeah. is essential. <laughs> they they can trap you. I was like, there. I, I already ate, but... Ian, did you not like the word smellscape? Did that upset you? No, it just made me think of like a billion other things called something scape that are all like sci-fi. I was like, oh, smellscape. That came on after Xena on Saturday (laughs) (laughs) afternoons. Of course. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited to go there and try all the like food that it has because they've done a lot of like partnerships with like local restaurants and everything. Um, I know there's a place that me and Arlene like to go to off of Cherokee. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called, the Fatten Calf. It's like Filipino food, and you can get it there now, which is mm-hmm. sick. It's like, damn, I don't, I don't have to eat like a burger yeah, or the, whatever, which the I mean, Greek is good place too. was smelling real good. That's like right at my heart. Uh, my dad had a Steve's hot dog. He said it was good if you want that. See, there uh, you go. If you want that little insight into what a 55 year old soccer fan might. Think about Give it. Give us more insights about 55-year-olds. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they like Klaus a lot. Uh, not related. I think it's just an easy name to chant. Uh, oh, yeah. Being driven home, but it was <laughs> can't Can't chant Gio, Gio, Gio Genie. Yeah. It's too much, too hard. I'm, yeah, I'm interested to see what the crowds are like as the season goes along. Like, I'm sure they'll be packed um regardless of how this team's doing hopefully um i don't know if like the doldrums of summer and cardinal <laughs> cardinals baseball will swing people over one way or another but like it's just crazy to have driven by that stadium so many times um as it was being built and now when it's been built but empty and then see like just video shots of like thousands of people swarming around it. it's like, holy cow yeah, there are a lot of people outside the stadium too that like didn't even have a ticket that are just down there to take it all in, and they'd have the game out in the like out on the plaza as well. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go down there just to watch the game, you can. Which I'm I certain. Cool. I'm trying to think to myself now. I could like do it quick, but I got the energy. Um, there's going to be like blues games that get played on Saturdays over the next like month and a half uh, during a home game, and I'm just like, what is that going to be like? <laughs> Those are close proximity and share lots of parking. Mm. Now I get it. This mid-tier city is A plus on empty parking structures. So it <laughs> should be no problem. Ian, does it help that the blues are tragic right now? Is that does that I mean, help or hurt this equation? I mean, it definitely it definitely helps, it, but like, <laughs> you know, I see lots of people still out there still hyped for any sort of sport. So got battle hawks potentially in that same area. Oh, <laughs> Oh, they play on Sundays, don't they? So it might be. Oh, yeah. Man, that'd be sick if they played on Saturday, though. And then you had like a rando Cardinals game on Saturday. Let's go. Let's see if we can split this city asunder. Steven, have they talked about this down Jacksonville? Has this made it your way down in half? Yeah, we've talked a lot about St. Louis parking emergencies. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have that problem in Jacksonville. It's the largest city. Oh, oh, they got area. land, baby. They can put them anywhere. Park wherever the hell you want. <laughs> we'll park you wherever we want. I parked <laughs> behind a mortgage broker under a bridge the other day. It was great. 
<laughs> didn't feel like I was going to get stabbed at all. Mm. That is one thing to take into consideration, fans. If you're coming into St. Louis, try not to park under any bridges. Typically not the best plan. Yeah, good lighting. You want good lighting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need lighting. I'm good. Uh, don't park in the foundry parking lot. Apparently that's uh doesn't have good lighting from what I hear. So. Oh, yeah. Oh. What's the other one? What's the one across the way? There's more armory? To that story, that's also I'll sketch. get that offline. <laughs> um yeah, I just I I'm super excited. I'm going in like May. We should all go though. And we're gonna make plans right now. Everyone open your I camera. would love to I would love to all go. Also, I'm definitely gonna find some people that want to go to the Orlando game when we play down here on August 26th. Right when you want to be in Orlando oh, yeah. in a bowl of heat at that's not gonna be PM. sticky at all. Oh no, that's when you want to go to Orlando. I'm going to do that. I'm going to plan the whole next day at Epcot. And by the end of the week, I'll weigh 14 pounds and, you know, be a shriveled hulk of a human being. But it'll be great. Orlando, that has famously never been slandered on this podcast. Orlando's great. (laughs) Orlando is a very safe town if you're not in the dangerous parts. So as as Justin recently learned. Um, a mid-tier right. Florida city? Is that like a mid? Would that be mid-tier? I would call Orlando very mid. Yeah, I mean it's well, like a Orlando's it's like mid. a beach city that has no beach. That's how I would describe it. Take <laughs> <laughs> like that, Disney. Yeah, well, it's now uh it's now its own. Now Disney has no longer got its own tax breaks. So you know, oh, darn it. Oh, sorry, oh, Disney. DeSantis picture. ruining the state. I was too. Orlando was is too literally weird. a mid city, though, because it's right there in the center. I don't know how somebody planned a big city in Florida that wasn't on the coast, but they did. And... Seems like a no brainer mm. to me. Why were people trying to get away from the coast? Like, <laughs> yeah, how are there exactly. enough people there? Get me can, we go somewhere with, can we go somewhere with less ocean and more? I want this. Please? I want the humidity. I want the mosquitoes I want and the gators. Everything right? bad and nothing good. That's what I'd like. That's Orlando, baby. Anyway, like, she was going to Alabama. <laughs> Can you can you put it on a floodplain as well if, mm, if yeah. possible? Do Ideally, guys, we want to be below sea level. That's right. Do you guys know who the worst attended uh, MOS team last year was? I want to say Inter Miami because their stupid Fort Lauderdale situation. Is that true? That's, that's correct. Yes. But they were in a weird situation that wasn't in Miami. Yeah, so they're playing in Fort Lauderdale in like a temporary stadium that they've been playing in for like four years now. I haven't heard anything about the Miami stadium, so let me look that up right now. But they've been wanting to build something downtown for obvious reasons. Uh, Because it's downtown Miami. Yeah. Why don't they just play where the Dolphins play? I don't know. Miami, which is very small. (laughs) The city of Miami is a little bit like the city of St. Louis. It's very small, but Miami Dade County, very big. But Miami is actually in Miami-Dade County, unlike St. Louis City. So, you know. And we don't have to dig uh, up with the old plans. But to be fair, unlike uh, downtown West, Miami does exist. Oh, boy. Oh, I've boy. been to We just talked about the stadium. <laughs> That's right. Well, the stadium is in St. Louis City. It's just not in downtown. All right. So by 2025, that's the current plan for their $25,000 or 25,000 seat. Sorry, specific stadium. $25,000 nice. to be very cheap for a stadium. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, stadium. 
The athletic soccer staff writes also, uh, Justin, did you meet the athletic soccer staff on Saturday? How is he? Is he a nice guy? The, just staff? the staff in general. I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> is he like a robot? <laughs> the athletic soccer staff. They write, the atmosphere at St. Louis City Park Stadium was not a surprise to anyone who has been paying attention to MLS expansion in recent years or to anyone who understands the history of soccer in this country. That St. Louis is perhaps the truest soccer town in the U.S. has been chronicled a lot over the last few weeks. That it took this long for MLS to land in St. Louis was really the only surprise. And the sold-out red-blazoned crowd of 22,423 that witnessed the expansion side's 3-1 to stadium opening win over Charlotte FC put on as much of a show as the home side. Bradley Carnell said, we are fighting with the emotions of 70 years of history and bring the, bringing the MLS to St. Louis. And then in light of the success of the debut, Don Garver was not willing to do what? Rule out expansion? Yeah, Tell, Talk about anything at all? Uh, right. <laughs> commit one way or another to anything in his life? I think that's is right. how that went. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Don so Garver was non-committal as the... That's right. So that's the uh, that's the that's the first two games of the season done and dusted. Are we going to win the third? Let's move on to talk about that. Um, Ian or Ian, not Ian. You don't know anything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so mean. Just, Ian, Justin. cover your laptop up again. <laughs> Out to the shadow realm. What is it? What is it like? A little like little it's a, switch. It's a little flip? physical switch that Dell uh, thought was really smart. It's going to pay cool. off if you're watching you know, the video right now. Do they know that there's like a camera button in every Zoom call? Probably not. <laughs> no. Dell has not um, gotten that technology yet. That's right. Now, Justin, you said Portland might give us a challenge, but when I look at the table, we are in second place mm-hmm. and Portland is all the way down in eighth. So I would like you to explain that to me, please. Yeah. Well, Portland lost to LAFC last okay, week. Okay. So they're not even good. Because all <laughs> LAFC's only won one game. They've only played one game, but they've yeah, only I mean, won one game. They're no we're undefeated better. team, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, the only <laughs> team you can even argue that we're not as good at mm-hmm. as is the Seattle Sounders. That's it. Which I think is fair. I think that's a yeah. fair assessment. If the Sounders are better than us, I think that's fair. Yeah. Four teams in this league have six points, and I know we're better than New England and Inter Miami because one of them's in New England and one of them's in Miami. So. <laughs> Anyway, what is your take seriously on the Portland Timbers and how they will challenge this team? And Yeah, I think Portland in general is a tough place to play. It's hard to go there and grab points. They just lost to LAFC in a game that they played really bad in in the first half and were able to come back in the last like 30 minutes or so. They finally got a goal from Evander. So they've kind of grew into that game in a way that like LA let off the gas a bit. So you can't really say too much about that. Um, but I think, you know, Portland with the way they play, they're very pragmatic. Obviously our play style is much different than LAFC's. They played sporting in the first game of the year and won one, nothing and sporting obviously play not a similar style necessarily, but they also play high intense. And while SKC has a lot of issues and are missing a lot of players, um, you can look at that loss as you know, potentially, especially with how Portland played last week. I'm kind of growing into the season a bit more. There's things to be worried about, especially with how both the goals from both last week and the week before come from just poor transition defense and having our center backs sliced through. So a bit worrying with that. I will say that Portland haven't gotten a ton from Evander yet 
this season in terms of like his growth into the game. And they went down early to LAFC via a Giorgio Chiellini set piece. I think it was off a corner header. So can you say Giorgio Chiellini like five more times? Giorgio Chiellini, Giorgio Chiellini, Giorgio Chiellini. That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> that's that's that big 550 content, right? <laughs> that's what the people call on AM radio. Hey, oh, right here. But yeah, so obviously it's gonna. I think it'll be another fun game. I'm sure Bradley Carnell will have some tactical adjustments from this game to that game. I look forward to diving into that this week a bit. If you follow my writing, uh, but yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think anyone is too deluded to think that we're gonna walk through the rest of the season. But Portland are still a very dangerous team. They've only scored yeah. three goals though in two games though. So mm, right. And we bad, scored bad six. team. Yeah. Yeah. Double. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little worried. I feel like if not this week, there's going to be a week where they obviously lose. And I'm just worried about the bottoms for dropping out and people, Fairweather fans, new this fans. This team doesn't know how like, to lose. Oh, They've never lost before. What's hey, as happen? long as you pass it to us in your own half, <laughs> baby, you know, give us the W. As yeah. long as as long as we're twelve against ten out there, that's what you could games. say. Like Portland weren't crazy successful against Sporting's press. They only won that game one nothing, and like I think that we've looked better than that Sporting team has looked. So you could see that as a favorable matchup. I don't know. It's only two games into. It's still like hard to really get a good grasp on how other teams. Are if gonna be we playing. get the convincing W over Austin FC, how high? Do we just oh, go man. undefeated or not Austin FC? You literally just said Portland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, undefeated, undefeated. Yeah, it's okay, Stephen. <laughs> I went through an entire segment last week where I thought we were playing Vancouver, so I think you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to remind you of that. And speaking of which, I don't mean to turn on you faster than Jay. So I turned on Sami Zayn, but oh, seven nothing, <laughs> Liverpool over Manchester United. How brutal. Please explain, Justin. Please. I can't. There's no explanation. <laughs> like, there's nothing. You just have to throw that game out. Like, Ted Hawk came out afterwards, talked about how, like, unprofessional the team was. And, like, uh-huh. like, you can't be responding to a game like that. But, like, I, nothing ever would say. Like, they had been playing so well leading up to this yeah. game. They had barely lost in the past, like, three months to be trounced 7 nothing by a Liverpool team. You, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong. I've not been necessarily great this season. It's, no, I mean, uh, they've definitely been better <laughs> since the transfer window. But, you know, Darwin's been picking up steam and Gakbo has been a good addition, but they are not. A great team. They're not a Liverpool team of old. Definitely. Uh, I think, David De Gea being given a 2.9 rating by Fabla for this game, so that's not a yeah. great sign. <laughs> I think if I um, if I was a Manchester United fan, I would I would say the same thing. Like you got to brush it off and just ignore it. Basically, my concern is, forgive me for talking out of turn about your team. Mm. Their response in the actual game does not suggest to me that they're going to be able to do that. Like they're. <laughs> Their antics during the game, especially Bruno Fernandez. Uh, yeah, and, don't even get me started. Um, De Gea, that, that's where I would be more concerned. But if they come back into form in their next game and they're just fine, then I'm not too worried about it. Liverpool on their on their side, I mean, I don't I, I, I don't think I'm stretching too much to say that Jurgen Klopp is certainly one of, I would say, probably the best manager in world football right now. And I think he's done something really interesting. Um, obviously, during the transfer window, everyone 
everyone on earth thought that Liverpool needed to add at midfield, um, even though everyone knows very well that they hope to and expect to sign Jude Bellingham this summer and now apparently also maybe Mason now, which is just weird. I mean, the thing um, is that every club on earth wants to try this all to yeah, sign Jude Bellingham. So but I mean their 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 approach dictates that they must feel like they haven't mm, that's true. Track to get him. Because if they if they're loading up for just that and then they don't do it, then they're <laughs> morons. Henderson but, was also doing a bit of tampering at the uh, last uh, national team camp too, which I more think than is a bit, I would say. <laughs> since the world cup and everything. Um, but I mean, I think, I think to, to Jurgen's credit, he really, they went out and got Gakpo who's a, you know, superlative young talent and he's just changed up his style. He's playing with the ball more. He's not, not counterattacking as much. And, it's really, you know, it's really been what they need right now because they can't, that midfield cannot engage the counterattack the way they want to. And um, it's been nice to see. It's it's this tactical change that I think could be enough to get them in to yeah. championship. I think a lot of that too, Harvey Elliott has been like something's on my target. And, and Besetich has also been a godsend and he's so young and you know it's one of those things where you still kind of worry he's being overexposed but like mm. yeah harvey elliott who looked pretty bad for a lot of the season looked really 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 good in this game which i think like young players right like that's yeah, gonna happen there yeah yeah definitely um nunez has also seemed to find his footing finally and he's looked really good he's a monster Mm. yeah he was never going to be the guy who kept missing those chances like nothing would have ever he's like if klaus was was unbelievably mind-numbingly fast and also just beautiful to look at as a human being like he's just the total package Mm. i think liverpool's in good shape um it's crazy how fast things change in the premier league because like two weeks ago they were in 10th and i was like they're not even going to make europe europe yeah. and now i'm like oh they'll probably be a champions league team it's fine no big deal and you really like especially if you're trying to bridge that gap like you need you need like a cohesive run of form mm-hmm. put together like you've seen that with manchester united in the past where they'd be uh out to lunch and then they put together like a run of 10 games um that's right ian how are you feeling about tottenham's one nil loss to wolves last week how uh not exciting uh, of a game was that for you it was <laughs> it was excruciating to go back and watch because um it, god <laughs> i i'm not i'm god, not gonna change god i'm not gonna change <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna it. change this is really <laughs> yeah god god has abandoned me because um, the, one time, was the joy one just time... One time switch. You're like a national team player. Yeah. One time. Was the joy just so slowly ripped out of you as the Domino uh, scored in the 82nd minute? <laughs> yeah. So like they made Wolves made like five subs, and then Spurs made their first sub at the 80th minute, and they subbed in a guy who I had to look up hasn't played very well for them in the past. Like, well, this is a this is a grand start. This is a great start. Um. But, like, throughout the whole game, like, it was just, like, weird stuff. Like, I know um, they like to have, like, Sun take free kicks sometimes. They had Kane take this free kick and he hit a freaking wall, which I also read is apparently the thing that happens. He's a great player. Can't take a free kick. Uh, It's like Wolves made adjustments. 
Tottenham didn't. Um, I feel kind of bad for like Son on this team for multiple reasons, but also <laughs> I feel like they constantly pass the ball like behind his ass. Like he's constantly having to pick it up from behind rather than being like, uh, I think of like a wide receiver hitting them in transition with like speed. And he's like, Nope, he's got to collect it at zero miles per hour and then start up the field. And I'm like, this is not, this is not his game. I watched like sun highlights during the world cup or whatever. And some uh-huh. of the stuff he had in like, with, um, was he in Dortmund? Was that who he was with? Yes. Okay. I can't remember, but in, in Bundesliga team, I was like, man, this dude's fast as hell. I was like, how come I don't see that? How come I never get to see this shit happen? Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't actually put it too much on the players overall, actually, because I think like Wolves made an adjustment, you know, on their bench basically and counted into jack shit. He played for Bayer Leverkusen. Oh, okay. I, I hate to. I was like, that didn't sound right, but I'm okay. just gonna say yes. Uh, Do they also wear yellow? I don't know. For some reason, I had them in yellow. I could be totally times, wrong. Yellow is a part of their color. Mm. Yellow, yellow is a color. Yeah, a primary. Color. I know what you're saying though, Ian, because he's like almost wasted in a Conte style system where it's like his best work is in transition and getting the ball like while moving forward just because that's how mm-hmm. breakneck fast he is and he's kind of just like wasted a bit not to say that he doesn't have skill in that system too but you're not using him to his utmost right. potential it's just it's it's infuriating when you're trying to stay in the top four top five and you lose to a team like wolves <laughs> like at you like at very least give me a tie at very least give me a harry kane late game goal we can't even muster that in this game that's a that's like the low right no it was a game where goal. like they're almost playing for like a nil nil tie they're like no goals will be scored here today <laughs> <laughs> you know what no fun for anyone um yeah that feels very cut day yeah um i was looking at their schedule and it looks i don't know it looks doable i mean they play some they still play i don't know if they play liverpool again i think they play Manchester United one more time. But then they play some bottom-of-the-barrel teams there. They put, like, Southampton once and stuff. And I'm like, come on, man. You can make <laughs> you can make up some room here. But then I see this game, and I'm like, maybe not. Maybe every game is going to be a freaking must-win. Could be, and you could be that lucky. <laughs> wow, nail-biting. Just absolutely yeah. nail-biting. They finish off the year playing at Newcastle, United, Liverpool, but up until then, yeah, they play Nottingham Forest, Southampton, Everton, Brighton, Bournemouth, which are like, that's, you should on, be destroying those teams. Ideally, you should be winning Will those games one nothing. No, they're going <laughs> to slop it up. That's not what they, that's not the game plan. The game plan those is never games to be are sloppy. a 75th minute hurricane winner and no looking back, let me tell you. <laughs> Have they ever just tried scoring early? They did. They What's did try like? that shit. They tried that against Man City. And then they lost freaking like four to two or five to two or whatever. They scored two before the half. I was like, wow, fun stuff. And then they just got freaking train wrecked. Ugh. I, you know what? I root for this team because I hope that someday this will all change. And then I can be like, ah, look at me. I've suffered. <laughs> 
Only I only I chose this. At least like with you've the blues or adopted, whatever, they were here. I was gonna say you've just adopted a new blues. Why have you done this to yourself? That they this is what was told to me when I picked when I decided to pick them. Like that's on you then. Yeah, that's my fault. That is your fault. Well, me how many times it's all <laughs> you don't have fault. to punish yourself, Ian. I you do. don't have to. I do. I'm Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> uh well we are a catholic city that's why soccer is so popular it's the punishment mm. part of it soccer obviously a sport for socialists and catholics is what the saying is always that's right. <laughs> Check, look at look at your countries look at your countries and tell me that's not true and if they're socialists and catholic they're gonna love it they're gonna love this sport oh, that's so right much. Oh boy. All right. Uh, one final thought on St. Louis City SC. Which player has impressed you the most so far through two games? Klaus is the obvious, that's like a free space. Everybody mm. says Klaus. But if you were going to say not Klaus, who, who have you been most pleasantly surprised by through two games? I'm going to go. So I'm going to say pleasantly surprised, like against the grain of my expectations for them. Because I would say Blom, but Blom, I had high expectations just for like, what I knew about his play style and how mm. he's going to fit into the system. But Nicholas Giacchini, I thought, was, it has been like kind of one of the driving forces for how well they're playing. Like to mm. hit on that player, have him come in, and he just looks so at home. Um, on that second goal, it started because Giacchini is able to step up like in anticipate a pass coming through and start the press and start the counter. And... I don't know, like, I think this system just seems to fit his skill set, and he has a lot of skill as well. So he's not just good in the press, but he also has quality when he's on the ball, and mm-hmm. he hasn't, like, necessarily put the ball in the back of the net. But I think just his presence and what he's able to do, he had the assist on the Klaus goal in the first game, he created two chances this game, and, yeah, I think he's been real good. Yeah, I agree. I definitely I thought he um, has looked great, and I feel the same way about Blom. Blom might be my answer. Um, I think he's just looked sensational. I I, I had a friend uh, who was at the game say he looked pretty bad in the first half. I didn't see that, but I could have missed something. But I think as far as the second half, he's been good. And Carnell good. said he's still like kind of playing catch up after coming to camp. So yeah, late, so. and like I mean, he was involved in the first giveaway. Um, for the for the goal that they scored I, I thought it was more of a team breakdown but whatever the case like he's making plays and getting to balls and you know I'm just seeing him make defensive plays that really change the game and make a big impact and then I would say more even more than that though Lovin is like you really have to hit on your DPs obviously that's mm-hmm. a given um I knew nothing about either of ours there was none of that kind of like oh this is a such and such player from the Premier League I've heard of you know it's not yeah no Jordan Shakiri situation or anything like that, but like he's been really good. He's been sensationally good. I think he's such a good distributor and um, you know, he had the free kick obviously, or the goal kick, the penalty mm. kick. I'll get the right kind of that kick. One. Cor- corner kick. maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just thought he's looked great and um, you know, he's playing that critical role of d- distribution on the attack. So, been on the MLS team of the week twice now. Steve. Look at that. Mm. Look at that. That's as many times as he's ever had the opportunity. Yeah, he's never not made the MLS team of the week. So let's think about that for a moment. Ian, who's your man of the matches, the two matches so far? Yeah, I was going to say uh, 
leaving because I've just been impressed with like his overall play style and just like he seems like such a um a swell guy just just a great <laughs> dude um just like a, such an accurate like passer and kicker and stuff like from mm-hmm. the corners he's looked really dangerous um I think there was like late in the game uh this last game where he basically like beat nine guys into the corner mm-hmm. like it was super late everyone's tired but I was like what the heck I was like what's going on <laughs> um I don't know. I just, I like obviously being one of the DPs, like I assume that he's going to be pretty good just because we went out of our way to go get him and everything. But I think between him and like Klaus, those are the guys that I feel like the most focused on um, just to see what they have. And then I have been trying to sort of learn more about our, our um, MLS two guys that have come up and play on the squad. Cause I'm just very curious to see how some of that like homegrown talent works out like i think it's really cool that they subbed in i'm gonna forget his name the like 17 year old Miguel Pratt. yeah that was like really cool i thought it was like an awesome moment um i don't i don't know how much to hope he puts into like his first mls season or whatever but anything that looks positive out of him would just be like a home run a home run a homegrown home run you might say yeah that's right hey uh a goal i don't know what other things happen in soccer <laughs> Yeah, I think it's very, like, Perez in the first game was really good. He didn't have, like, a little bit more of an abbreviated appearance appearance in this game, but I think they're trying to take him along a little bit slower. But they have a lot of faith in him already, which I think is impressive because he didn't even make the team necessarily right away. Um, and mm-hmm. it's kind of, like, grown his way through camp and through the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you've won two games in convincing fashion, it's hard to find a lot of players that haven't looked good, but I do think all those guys have looked pretty pretty strong mm. so that's it Our, uh, i think we've covered everything what were you gonna say justin no i was just gonna say the only like downside i would say is our oh, no. center backs are a little bit worse um watch, uh, watch, <laughs> watch what you say about our ginger prince okay i'm not gonna say anything bad no. about him because i love him listen i'm sure we'll have plenty of time to roast these fools yeah. <laughs> like there There'll will be, be time lots to of games lots Keep the of positive games. vibes for now all right i'm sorry i'm sorry if you, if everyone will forgive me i apologize for <laughs> taking the vibes that's down right. <laughs> should, should apologize all right folks that's a that's a podcast we got a podcast this is a podcast. You've listened to a podcast. Congratulations. And most importantly, our sponsors are happy. Not <laughs> only, and all our fans, not only does St. Louis have an MOS team, not only has that MOS team played both on the road and at home, but through two games, they are not only undefeated, they have had two victories and they have six points of a possible six. It's a very fun time to be a St. Louis and a soccer fan. And uh, we'll be back after the game against Portland. See you later. Adios. See you on the big KTRS 
in circles around the world.